Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast, hosted by Shalinda Kirby, a cervical cancer survivor, and Natalie Supes, a Crohn's warrior since 2007. Our goal is to give you proof that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. You can also follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everyone. We are on episode three. Can you believe it? We've no, made it, it feels like unbelievable that we've made it this far. <laughs> so awesome. So you guys heard my story and I'm so excited because we get to talk all about Shalinda's story today. Yes, I'm a little nervous because it's weird talking about myself, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait. So let's just jump right into it, into the speed round. Where are you from? Uh, I am from a very small town outside of Edmonton, Alberta. It's called Drayton Valley. They claim to be the oil capital of the world. I'm not sure how accurate that is. Uh, there's like 7,000 people in that in that town. Yeah. So it's very it's very small, but I, I knew right away that I was going to move as soon as I got the opportunity. So the moment I graduated high school, I uh, I went to Calgary and lived there for college. And then I've moved all over. I've wow. lived in... Uh, the Yukon in Whitehorse for a couple of months. And then I moved to a town in Alberta called Wainwright. It's a military town. There's a CFB Wainwright base there. Um, and then I took a job in Medicine Hat, Alberta. And I was there for seven years. And I adored my time there. Um, and then I took a job here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And I've wow. been here for the last two years, coming up on three. Awesome. Wow, that's crazy. It's funny because I know most of those things, but then hearing them again, I'm like, Yukon. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a gypsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you'll stay here for longer than seven. Yes, <laughs> I would be crossed. happy with that. I do like Winnipeg. And it's funny because we were talking on your episode about how Winnipeggers often move away, but they always come back. Mm-hmm. For me, like, it's so funny because I meet people who are from here and I, and they're like, I think that you like our city more than most people that are from here like our city. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah. Because I think it's because I I'm not I didn't grow up here, so everything here is just so exciting and new, mm. and uh, you know, there's so much to see and do in this in this. Especially city. coming from a lot of small towns too. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I definitely like that that big city bustle. So, totally. Yeah. So what's your sickness? I had uh, cervical cancer. I'm in remission. I am good to go now. Yes, very (laughs) thankful for that. Um, But I I got diagnosed with cervical cancer in 2017. Mm. So, Yeah, we'll definitely talk more about that and elaborate that more. Um, What's one thing you do every single day that makes you successful? So I my full-time job is I work in radio. And so something that I like to do in terms of my successes as a person, um, I often like to listen to other people's work. I'm really inspired by other people. And we live in such a day and age where we share our work more often now, right? Like mm-hmm. we're very proud of what we do and we have platforms to do that. So social media-wise, uh, often, you know, I'll, I'll go and I'll try to find another radio station in like Vegas or, you know, Phoenix or or Dallas or something like that. Or even here in Canada, like, you know, somewhere in Toronto or Vancouver or back in Alberta and listen to different shows to get inspired by what other people are talking about. Because I love how vulnerable people are and that inspires me to also be vulnerable. And I think that in that you kind of grow Uh, that success I think that's so cool and like a lot of people if you're in the business industry or like even in business on social media a lot of people will be like 
unfollow everyone who does anything similar to you so that you're not getting comparisonitis or like comparing yourself. But I think it's important to, if you can, get inspired by other people to do what you do because yeah. you're getting insight. You can hone your craft and like that's so cool. I love and that. I'm not comparing myself exactly. either. Like it's it, I'm it's I guess it's the way that I look at it, right? Yeah. I'm viewing it through a different lens. Like it's never in like oh well they're doing that and you know I should be doing that, you know. And it's it, that's a negative mind space. I often go into it with a positive mind space and in what can I take away uh, from this and you know better myself. So important. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Love that so much. All right. So let's just jump into your story a little bit more. I want to know like when you were diagnosed and how that happened and yeah, where you were at in life. It's a very interesting story. (laughs) Hopefully you're sitting down. (laughs) And it's kind of a weird story to tell because it's not something that I'm very open about in my like, you know, day to day life. It's something that I think a lot of people are like, whoa, you had cancer. Mm -hmm. Like I get that often. People are shocked that I had cancer because it's not something that I talked about yeah. while it was really happening. And it's because I had just moved to Winnipeg uh, from Medicine Hat and I did not know anybody here. I moved to Winnipeg not knowing one person or having any family in the entire province of Manitoba. Mm. Um, and so for me, uh, I was already taking like such a huge step in my life as a person and then I was also married when I was living in Alberta and when I had taken the job here that's when my ex-husband and I decided to separate and so that was also kind of a time in my life where I was realizing what it was like to be on my own again after Mm -hmm. being in a relationship with somebody for so many years Um, and you know that structure of marriage and having a partner right to lean on for for certain things Uh, so it was just kind of like a time in my life where I had no choice but to kind of just like be my own, you know, support system. So when I found out that I had cervical cancer, I guess just to back up, I had gone in to get a routine checkup done, like a pap smear, um, because I was going to start dating again. And I wanted to make sure that I was taking care of my sexual reproductive health and, uh, you know, forms of birth control options and stuff like that. So that's what I was at the doctor's for. That was the moment that they said, you know, how many years has it been since you had a pap smear? And I said, well, it's been a couple of years. And I know that a lot of women get told uh, every three years years, now. Yeah. Yeah. And this had been two um, since my last pap smear. And for me, that's an important part of my story because I I think it's kind of crazy personally that they tell you to go Mm -hmm. every three years because for me, early detection was key uh, in saving my life. And so... um, don't ever let your doctor tell you that you can go for as many pap smears as you want. Yeah. Because if you have anything that runs in your family, which I don't, I didn't have cervical cancer that ran in my family. Um, Yeah. So I'm very thankful that I, at that moment in time was like, yeah, even though it's uncomfortable to get a pap smear, women hate it. I get it. It's very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did it. But it's quick. It is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I thought nothing of it. I continued on with my life. A couple weeks later, I was in the middle of my radio show, and I get a phone call, and uh, I could tell that it was my doctor, and I thought, well, I should probably answer this. Normally, I wouldn't answer a phone call in the middle of my show, Um, so I quickly realized that the sound of her voice on the other end was very serious. And she said to me, you know, normally we bring people in to tell the tell them this news in person, 
But uh, due to the fact that you have so many cancer cells on your cervix, we need you to go see an oncologist soon. And I'm sorry, oh, wow. I'm like, what? sorry, go see a who? And I'm sorry, I have how many? What what cells? Like, I was so confused by that phone call uh, because I didn't think that they told you that on the phone. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I thought, I thought I'd at least have like a day of worry to, you know, yeah. deal with before I went into the doctor's office to find out that news. But Especially it was told the C word. Like, yeah. I think that's in our society. That's a word that like everyone just prays they'll never hear and to hear that over the phone I can't and in the middle of a work day I can't imagine yeah it doesn't feel real and it's 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 a shock because I remember going into shock a hundred percent I finished that phone call very quickly and I was like yep I will go to the doctor uh, they said they would be in contact with me very soon once they found an oncologist that could you know take me on at that point I had no idea what an oncologist was by the way I, I Kind it's of a cancer don't. doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my gosh. And wow. so then I I couldn't continue working at that point because part of my job working in radio is, you know, as soon as you turn that mic on, you're you're supposed to be happy and uplifting mm-hmm. and you know sound very cheery. And I was not any of that. I was a puddle of emotion finding out that I had cancer over the phone. So I left work. Like I just got up and left. And I later dealt with my boss, and obviously, you know, he kind of understood what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I sat in the parking lot in my vehicle uh, right after finding out, and I called my dad, and I said, uh, "And I said, yeah, Dad, I I have cancer." And he was like, "Oh my god, I'm sorry, what?" And I said, "Yeah, Dad, I have cancer." And I started crying, and and he said, "Like, well, like he was. It was just. I mean, I couldn't even imagine what that was like on oh, his end. You know, I like just got whole as body a parent shivers. getting that phone call." Uh, from their daughter too and his perspective too was very protective because he knew that I was alone Mm -hmm. here in Winnipeg at that moment like my husband and I had just separated I had just taken a new job I was in a new city like and then I find out this so he knew right away that that was probably like I was you know not in a good headspace. so he said to me like you need to go home right now uh, and if you can't drive I want you to get in a cab and I want you to go home and call me when you get there and uh, and I said, OK. And I ended up driving myself home or whatever. I think, I again, it's crazy what your body is capable mm-hmm. of when you're in shock. And I don't advise driving when you're in shock, sure. right? But I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I was almost an autopilot at that yeah. point. Um, and so, you know, later that day, I talked to my parents both on the phone and they were very supportive of, you know, whatever battle that I was about to go on, they were going to be right by my side, even though they were two provinces away. And across the country. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of a, a very, very hard time in my life. Yeah, I can't imagine. So what do you do from there? Like that day happens. How yeah. do you continue, especially like on your own? I can't even imagine just dealing with the divorce or just dealing with moving to a new city by yourself. But then yeah. all those things, like how do you continue? Well, I'll tell you what not to do. Google the fact that you have cervical cancer. Mm. <laughs> that or was the Google worst anything. thing to do. <laughs> yeah, or anything oh, medical related. Um, My gosh, why do we do that to ourselves? I convinced myself I had everything oh. while I was sick. And, and that's the thing is I was like, I'm going to die. Mm. Like, I'm not going to lie. When you hear that you have cancer, that is the first thing that you think of. Honestly, that's a question that I've always had because like with Crohn's, you do have a bigger chance of getting cancer and like you always see like you everyone knows someone who has had cancer but 
that that's a word that you don't really speak about or you don't ask someone about or if someone knows someone dealing with cancer it's not like you're gonna walk up and be like hey like are you scared of dying like how do you deal with that but this that's like the thing about this podcast is we want to ask the questions everyone's thinking and not saying so like you got diagnosed with cancer and then like was that your first thought like okay Mm -hmm. now I need to plan for that yeah, you're like, you know, how, because at that point, I didn't know how advanced it was. They had mentioned right. that I had these cancer cells. And so I wasn't really sure how that, like, what how that, that all, what did that all meant? I had no idea <sighs> until I, I got together with my doctor at that point. And then they explained to me in person, you know, okay, your pap smear came back, but we need to do more testing to kind of exactly see what's happening on your cervix. Um, and so, like, that unknown feeling, like that mm. feeling of not knowing, is so scary and and yes i was terrified of dying because uh i think that most people who who find out that they have cancer they think of you know i'm gonna lose my hair i'm gonna get Mm. sick i'm gonna have to go through chemo um you know like how long do i have uh is this something that i caught sooner rather than later um uh, as a female i think that uh you know you you kind of like instantly hate your body like it's almost like you turn your body's like turned against you you know like your reproductive organs are are like like why 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 cervical cancer Mm. you know and I mean that's the thing is like of all cancers like I mean is there any cancer that's worse than the other really like I I I mean obviously I know there's more serious types of cancer but just in general that that word you know holds so much merit Mm. um but I wasn't going to let it have that hold on me. So tell me, like, what did you do? Uh, so once I found out more mm-hmm. testing wise, like fast track, you know, through a bunch of uncomfortable tests and scopes and cameras and pokes and prods. And oh, man, um, literally my feet were in stirrups for, I think, a good majority of like six months. Oh and that's another hard part is like dignity wise, man. Oh, gosh. You know, I, I even said to my doctor, like, why why do you like doing this? Like, why, <laughs> what, is, what is it about, like, the feet? Because he was a doctor, like, I'm a male doctor. And I'm like, what is it about the female reproductive system in terms of cancer? Do you d- enjoy so much? And he just said, you know, I find it fascinating. And, uh, and I'm very thankful that I had, you know, such great doctors mm. here in Winnipeg that, you know, helped me through my time. But once I learned a little bit more about where I was at in terms of my diagnosis and how serious it was, thankfully, it was not that serious. Um, I was able to have early detection. That's so amazing. with surgery, I was able to have a piece of my cervix removed um, that contained the cancer cells. Um, so with, you know, just mild medication, um, and, you know, going back for constant pap smears and scopes and things like that, I was able to, I guess, not have cancer anymore. That's so cool. Yeah. But the thing is like throughout all of that, those six months of your feet are in stirrups, you're going every morning and being happy on the radio show. So like, how did you do that? It was interesting having a job where I was expected to be on Mm. all of the time when realistically, like there was a lot of pain associated with cervical cancer, like a lot of cramping and a lot of bleeding and um, a lot of unexpected like, uh, yeah, like cramps and pains and stuff like that. So, you know, dealing with that alone was kind of uncomfortable, right? Because a lot of I mean, you you get your period and a lot of women don't even want to go to work. So it's like. Imagine, you know, that times 10 is pretty much how I would describe at some points I would be dealing with that pain. Um, 
but I would crack that microphone and I would, you know, just put on a, a happy face because my thing is, is I, I could, I could have done one of two things. I was in a situation that I could have been, woe is me. Like my life is falling apart. Yeah. I am getting yeah. a divorce. I moved to a new city where I don't know anybody. I have no friends. I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? And, and now I have cancer. I got a car accident like shortly after Stop. as well. Yeah, like a 30 car pileup. Oh my god. The first time we got snow that year and it was just like, oh my <sighs> gosh, if I could have looked at that and just and just thought, you know, this is it. Cuz trust me, I had a, a couple of moments where that would peek through yeah. where I would just think, what the hell? What did I do in another Yeah, life? what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> yeah. You know, like and that's the thing is you fall into that sympathetic mm-hmm. like, you know, mode of yourself. I was mopey and I did. I went through a, a, like a, a week straight of woe is me. I I would go to work and I immediately come home as soon as I was done, lock myself in the bedroom. I would nap away my entire day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dealing with pain. I Became so immune to uh, typical painkillers like Tylenol mm-hmm. and Advil and ibuprofen that I had to explore other options. And for yeah. me, um, I'm very thankful that medicinal cannabis was a resource that was given to me so awesome. to deal with pain. Um, and, you know, that's something that I think that we can talk about in this podcast, too, for because sure. I think we live in a day and age where a lot of people use medicinal cannabis Absolutely. for pain management. Yeah. And I relate to that so much because I think I think it's okay to have that mopey period. Like, we need to. We need to say, why me? And, you know, like, the steps of grieving, I can't remember what they are right now, but we need to, like, grieve. Mm-hmm. But then we need to stop grieving. Yeah, you and know? that's like, I think you just reach a point where you're just like, okay, this is exhausting. Like, you know what I mean? I'm already sick. Yeah. <laughs> like, I already feel like yeah. garbage. I don't want to continue feeling this way. The disease isn't going to take me. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, like, I guess it was like such a silent thing for me to deal with too, because I didn't have, like, I wasn't in a city where my day to day involved seeing people that were close to me. Mm. Right. Like I was reestablishing myself in a new city. So the people that I would have around me were not really like my friends. They were more like acquaintances and like work colleagues and things like that. And so I wasn't in a position to feel comfortable enough to open up to them when I would be dealing with those like days of woe is me and yeah. I needed, you know, some help. And I think that was the the hardest part is, yeah, like, I mean, for me, it was it was very difficult because uh, that darkness could have taken me down yeah. a very different road. Um, so but- with with your diagnosis, it being so invisible, like you, no one can see that you have cervical cancer. How did you reach out for people to help you and how did you um, tell people and deal with that whole invisible side of the of the diagnosis yeah I think that's the thing with an invisible illness is that you know it's it's hard for other people to understand what you're going through because even if you tell them it's they don't make that connection and it's so funny a lot of us need that and it's not really funny but I say that (laughs) it's ironic it's ironic when you look at somebody who is sick and showing mm-hmm. that sickness, how empathetic we become as human beings because we do. We're just like, wow, you know, they're going through a very tough time because we make that visual connection. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, having cervical cancer where I'd be dealing with internal pain that was not visible and I didn't lose my hair because I didn't have to go through chemo, thankfully. Um, and the medication that I did take uh, caused nothing but weight gain, which for me, I mean, that's another you yeah. know episode too. Is is that whole 
discussion on weight loss and weight gain. You mentioned it in mm-hmm. your story. Absolutely. Where your body it's takes on part. these different changes too, right? That can definitely affect your mental health and the way that you view yourself. But I get, I, I found the, the power of communicating in a positive way to be very helpful. That's Instead good. of being like, you know, I have cancer or sorry, I can't go out because of the cancer. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I would make jokes about it because I guess that's my personality. And that's like, if you know me <laughs> off this podcast, um, you know that I like to make inappropriate jokes and I'm very <laughs> laughy because if somebody else is laughing, then I'm laughing. And I, I find comfort and humor. And so having cancer, I was the one making those jokes about having cancer and that would make other people super uncomfortable. <laughs> Which made me super comfortable because I was like, awesome, you're just as uncomfortable as I am sometimes, right? (laughs) Yeah. So I think, yeah, finding humor and optimism in a situation where you can take that different route is very important. I love that. And I think it's so important. And I relate as well because Crohn's being an invisible illness. Um, A lot of the times you can almost like go into yourself and be like, am I being... Like, am I using the disease as an excuse? Because people sometimes, if they don't know you or they don't know much about your disease, can think you're being lazy or you're being, you know, like you're you're dropping out of things or last minute or whatever. And with the disease being invisible, sometimes you're like, is that me? Is it them? Like, am I just like using this as an excuse? But if you're coming to it with a positive outlook, like doing the best you can and just showing up, being yourself, being humorous, being happy um, and communicating with them, like hey, I can't come today. I'm sorry I said yes, just not feeling well. Instead of being like, can't come, it's the cancer. Yeah, totally. You know? like, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's yeah. so important. Being honest about where you're at with your sickness, I think is very important. And yeah. even if it is with people that aren't necessarily close to you, because I think, you know, you either have a support system or you don't yeah. in a lot of these situations. And for me, I can take that side and say, uh, I, I did from afar, don't get me wrong. Like I, you know, my mom came and flew in to take care of me after my surgery when they had taken a part of my cervix. Um, but at the same time, uh, most of my encounters were with complete strangers yeah, having sure. to explain my sickness. Uh, you know, people who would listen to my show or people who would follow me on social media. You know, I'd sometimes post a, a photo of like sitting in the waiting room and being like, um, you know, ooh, today is the day I find out if I'm, you know, one pap smear, you know, away from being cleared from cancer. Uh, and and a lot of people would, you know, respond being like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea that you you're such a you're such a fun, outgoing person, you know, like how you had cancer. Right. Like only sad people like, can have yeah, cancer. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like it only like goes after the people like, no, that's the that's the worst part about cancer is it, is it takes some of the best freaking people that we yeah. have on this earth the so people true. that we mean so much to us people that mm-hmm. we love and care about people that are 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 very important yeah you know that doesn't what, discriminate it doesn't discriminate yeah. at all and um my experience has been so humbling because before having cancer i took my health for granted so yeah. much um i took my life for granted i i did i mean yeah same i i i look back on on the fact that you know I was going through a divorce at the same time and I'm kind of thankful that it all happened at once that you know got it out of the way <laughs> at Whoa. least it wasn't prolonged. rough seas and then you know back sailing so that was nice and don't get me wrong I'm prepared for whatever comes my way because at this point I always say now I'm like I had cancer so anything that happens to me now uh and I beat it you did so yeah. anything that happens to me now I got it 
I honestly am so strong. I, I, happy dance. I'm so proud of you. It's something just popped into my head is that like when I was dealing with Crohn's and people would be like, and again, not to be all about me, but it's interesting that we're the two on this podcast is because with Crohn's, I would always be like, people would be like, you're so strong. And how do you do it? And I'd be like, at least it's not cancer. You know, like I was like, that's how I looked at it. And that's how I looked at it to myself when I was suffering and like in extreme pain, not leaving the house for weeks, blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, well, I don't have cancer, but like it goes to show that even if you do have cancer, it, do- it shouldn't stop you and it doesn't become who you are. Yeah, totally. And it just opens you up to this whole new experience that I think a lot of us do find humbling who are dealing with a sickness is you see and you meet other people who are also sick in your process. You know, you go to the hospital for a checkup or you go to the doctor's office or you, you know, go for surgery and you're in the same recovery room as other people coming from, you know, a procedure. And you just realize that, you know, we're all going through something to some degree, you know, just just take a minute and think about that. Right. The person who cut you off in the street or whatever, like they have something going on. And like, honestly, I like I'm getting a little choked up about it because I just feel like in my experience, um, I am not a cry. This is weird for me. I just want to hug you. (laughs) In my experience, it could have been a lot worse. I'm very thankful that it wasn't. And uh, yeah, I'm happy that I I beat cancer. And I really want to be a voice for people who are going through the same thing because I think it's important. It's so important. And I'm happy that we're doing this podcast because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're giving that light at the end of the tunnel to people who don't see it. Yeah. And I said the same thing to you in episode two. (laughs) But it's so true. Like it's, it's so, it's so admirable and inspiring and amazing. Like, and you said yourself, you don't share the story much, but like you just shared some of the hardest things you, I mean, the hardest things you've ever gone through. And thank you so much for being vulnerable and open and. And I will say to anybody, too, that if you find yourself in a situation where you're you're going through a sickness and you are alone, because I think a lot of people don't even like to recognize the fact that sometimes you are going through things mm-hmm. alone, um, you're not. You're really not. That's the truth. It's, I mean, yeah. if I can come to a new city and find out that I have cancer and then also find out my husband doesn't want to be with me anymore, then I think anybody can, can be in that situation and find that there is support. I found a support group that would meet in a church basement. Oh. And uh, I'm not a religious person anymore in my life. Like, I don't find, you know, myself anything but spiritual. But um, it didn't matter. I just went to the support group with an open mind that these other people who were attending also had cancer. Yeah. And again, different types of cancer, different, you know, stages of cancer. Uh, some were in remission. But we came together and we just talked that's and that's, so you know, that was my support is, is being able to talk to other people. And, you know, something that I learned too from you, we had talked uh, like off podcast about this is, um, you know, f- you had experienced um, forums, like you went online, mm-hmm. you were telling me yeah. one day about like, you know, cause like early on in your diagnosis, you were very young. The internet was very new. Yes. And uh, we Way didn't to have- just age me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I apologize. Just I said it in my episode. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we all have the ways of reaching out for support. It's yeah. just doing that. Exactly. And yeah. that's the thing, right? Like, yeah, I, I literally was on like these weird form things. I don't know if they still exist, but whoever's listening to this who feels so alone, there's two of us sitting right here that are willing to talk to you and open up and be there with you. And, you know, you can reach out to us anytime. So right there, you have two people supporting you. So already Absolutely. you have two people who care. So you're not alone. 
So coming to the end of this episode, something that like, of course, is what the episode is about. But like, I can't wait to hear what does success mean to you at this point in your life? I've always been a firm believer that success has been setting a goal and achieving that goal. Mm. Like it's like checking that box. You know what I mean? Um, And for me, midway through my diagnosis of, of cervical cancer, I made the decision that I was going to set the goal to kick cancer's ass and that's what I did yeah and within a year like I'm very and again I'm an advocate for early detection I don't care that the doctor tells you to wait three years to get a pap smear if you feel like you want that peace of mind uh you know you're in charge of of speaking up to your healthcare provider and saying listen I want to make sure that I'm healthy and you know get checked out I love that. um and so yeah achieving and setting goals is very important because it's something i learned early on when i was in high school i knew i wanted to be on the radio and i love this story because it's so weird to me that it actually you know worked out this way but uh they ask you in high school when they put the yearbook together you know those questions of like where do you see yourself in five years or whatever right so i had written in my yearbook at like the age of 17, that I wanted to have a morning show on the radio. Crazy. And I achieved that by the age of 19. That's so So like two years later, I had my broadcast. I graduated broadcasting school early uh, and took a job doing mornings. Like it was crazy to me. How did you get into it so quickly? I was 16 when I started in radio. Like I just, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I had called and requested a song on the radio for my dad when I was young. And I just like, I heard my my voice on the radio for the first time. And I'm like, that is so cool. I want to do that. And uh, and so I did. I just, I knew immediately that's just what I wanted to do in life. That's so I've cool. always been a very driven person. It's something I've always admired about myself is that, uh, you know, anytime I do set my mind to something, I usually achieve it. And even if I don't, I'll find a way to kind of achieve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I at least get that, you know, satisfaction of achieving that goal. Absolutely. So that's definitely something that I do to uh, to to keep my success in check. I love that so much. What a cool story. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me share my story of today. Course. And uh, that's the best part of this podcast is we have so many stories to come. Mm -hmm. We get to talk to a bunch of very, very awesome women who have, you know, taken time out of their busy lives to tell us about their sicknesses. Mm -hmm. And we have some great guests that are going to be coming on this podcast. Some who are very, very successful and sick as well. So I can't wait for you guys to hear. Thank you so much for listening. And Natalie, as always, give the plug to follow us. So if you're listening right now and you haven't already, just stop, take a screenshot. It takes one second and post it on your Instagram stories. Tag us at sick and successful underscore uh, Shalinda Kirby for the health. We would love to see that you guys are listening and obviously press the follow button for sick and successful. Share it with your friends, with your family, with your neighbor, with your dog. (laughs) Let everyone know. Let's get the word out there that you can be sick and successful. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore and join us next week for an all new episode.